much. Wow, it's a big honor to be back at Westover uh, and just enjoy every time that we get to be a part of what God is doing in this house. I love the vision, constantly something moving forward, always something happening. And uh, I believe that this is one of the the, 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 the hot spots in this region, and this is a great church. If this is your first time or you've been here years, I'm telling you, this is a good church. I'm, listen, if you ever complain about this church, you ought to just punch yourself in the throat, okay? Because this is a great church. Y'all are spoiled up in this church right here. I'm telling you, with the worship you've got, the leaders you've got, the people that are serving, and it's a reflection of some leadership right at the top with the Ryan family. Come on, do you love Pastors Jim and Denise? Just amazing people. And I, I honor you and your whole family. Thank you guys for always receiving us with such hospitality. And, and uh, I didn't come alone. Uh, in fact, I have a backup plan. It's, she is eight years old. And, uh, and so, uh, but I, I didn't come alone. I brought in the big guns and I have my oldest daughter with me. That's Jasmine. Jazzy, would you stand up and say hi? That's my daughter, Jasmine. And uh, don't let the smile fool you, man. She is, she'll get down. She ain't afraid in the spirit. She's like a beast, all right? So she'll just take control. Uh, but uh, I'm just so honored to be here, and I recognize that this might be the first time that I'm getting to actually kind of meet uh, a few of you. So let me just tell you my story in a nutshell. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. Does anybody know where the 915 is? Come on, yeah, mostly all brown people. <laughs> Come on, where the caramel people at? Come on, brown people, talk to me, caramel, make some noise, right? Are there any chocolate folk in the room? Where the chocolate at? Everybody loves chocolate. Where the whipped cream at? I know we got whipped cream in here too. I'm telling you, we just one big Sunday. Everybody got a sweet tooth up in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but I'm, I grew up right on the border. And by the age, uh, as a teenager, I found myself with a lust problem and anger issue and a drug addiction. But I loved to play basketball. And I would go to a church that opened up its gym and, and got involved. And the youth pastor came up to me and invited me to church camp. I thought I was going to get some girls' phone numbers, but on the first night of that, that's the truth, I'm a man of God, that's what I was trying to do, uh, but I, on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night. Come on, that's a powerful night. From then on, I would go to school at Christ for the Nations Institute, and then God would open up a door for me to be over uh, internet sales for a luxury car dealership, and Man, we made financial goals that most people retire at. And i got to be honest with you, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many achievements you make. If you're not in the will of God, you'll be miserable. And God came to us and said, listen, I need you. I need you to sell everything you have. I need you to give away the rest. And I need you to become missionaries to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is about 40 miles south of India. This is in the middle of a civil war. I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from my house. I remember being shot at. I remember suicide bombers bombing the hotels that we would stay in. It's a great vacation spot if you ever would like to go. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Uh, but uh, God was raising up his church and we were seeing daily salvation, signs, wonders, healings, and miracles. Come on, God is still moving in the earth. God hasn't lost his power and he hasn't lost any steam at all. I remember we moved back and took over a student ministry and we just had this sweeping revival come through. And man, this is where I've just become impassioned with this generation. I see a lot of them in the front worshiping. I see a lot of you. We were at camp together this summer. Come on, wasn't that powerful? It was amazing this past summer. But uh, I, I, I now have the honor 
of leading at Christ for the Nations Institute, which is just up the road. And uh, I love being able to pour into leaders and we send them out all over the world as worship leaders, as pastors, as missionaries, as children's pastors from different walks of life, from different countries. I love what I get to do, but I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Westover Hills. Come on, who's excited about being in church this morning? Now, as you can tell, I, 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 I came weapons hot this weekend, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm all systems go, so I want you to come with me. Can you talk back to me today? Somebody say yes. yes. Come on, preach back at me. Uh, I believe the Word of God should have home field advantage at the church. Are you with? The reason why I like playing on my home turf is because I have the most crowd support. Well, I feel like the Word should have the most crowd support in church. Are you with me? Come on, talk to me. So I want you, I want you to speak it back at me, all right? Are we good? Somebody say yes. Say, come on, somebody. Say, some on, somebody. Yeah, spell it. That's a big word like mayonnaise. You can't spell that, right? That's why we say mayo. All right, are you ready for the word? All right, turn on your Bible. That's right, turn it on. I know what generation I'm talking to. Turn it on. Come on, keep your Bible charged. (laughs) Uh, Turn on your Bible to Matthew 14. And for the sake of time, find Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin eating today. In Matthew 14, but we're going to have a little cheap meal, a little dessert in Mark chapter 6. Now, we are going to read from two different locations, but this is the same encounter. This is the one encounter, but two different places in your Bible uh, that I feel like Matthew and Mark give good context to what's happening here. Now, Jesus, just setting up the picture, Jesus is about to do something very deliberate. He is very intentional with the way he spends his time, especially with his disciples. And this is just after the feeding of the 5,000, which is an incredible miracle in and of itself to see food multiplied for 5,000 just men. That number was not including women and children. Then he does something we have never seen him do before up to this point. Look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. It says, immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Let me just pause you right there. Jesus makes his disciples, he chooses the boat, he makes them get in this boat, and then he says, you're going to go to the other side, and I am gonna, uh, I'm going to send the multitude away. What I have found, and I think someone needs to hear this morning, is that there is an other side. There's another side to your problem. There's another side to your pain. Come on, am I talking to anybody? There's another side to your confusion. There's another side to that addiction. There's another side. But in order, watch this, in order to go to the other side, look at the text. The text says, you're going to go to the other side while I send the multitudes away. In other words, you can't bring everybody and everything with you to the other side. You're going to have to learn that there are people who will, my, who will help you get to the other side, and there are people who will not help you get to the other side. Let me, let me just help you out. If you can find 10 people to go to the club with, but you can't find one person to pray you through your problem, friend, it's time to go to the other side and start dropping some weight. If you can find 20 people to get drunk with, but you can't find one person to go to church with, friend, go to the other side and let God begin to whittle down your crowd and you watch how pain breaks off of your life. You watch how addiction is destroyed. You watch how brokenness becomes whole in your life. All because you're going to the other side. Are you with me? Are you with me? Look at verse 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle 
of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. What was in the middle of the sea? The boat. And where was it? It was in the middle. Now I want you to remember those two things. Look at verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. It's here I would like to interject Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. Look at this. Same encounter, two different locations. Mark says it like this. Then Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. And watch this. And would have passed them by. This is like so un-American of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus would have passed them by. Now, I love Mark's version of this in some cases because Mark has the supernatural ability to keep it real. <laughs> Jesus was not even planning on stopping. And a lot of times we have felt like God is ignoring us. We have been overlooked or put on the shelf. But I would like to submit something different to you. Keep reading with me. Look at verse, 40, uh, look at verse 26 back in Matthew 14. Watch this. It says, And when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Not, not, he's not even convinced. It's like, okay, if I'm talking to ghosts, Lord, if this is really Jesus that I'm talking to, <laughs> right? Look at verse, 20, uh, verse 29. So Jesus responds. He said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, called him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Pray with me this morning. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, I'm speaking to storms this morning. I'm speaking to, to, to people who might have a little wind and might have a little wave in their face this morning. But I speak to the atmosphere around your heart and your life. And I say that you are full of faith and you are full of hope and you are full of peace and you are full of joy and you are full of authority and you walk in power. And I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment. And I break it right now in Jesus' name. And I release the fresh revelation of who Jesus is to you right now. That you would see him and that you would behold him and that you would know you are not alone. And when you are not alone, if it's you and God, you outnumber anything, anybody, any enemy on their best day. Lord, I thank you that you're calling men and women back into the service of water walking. Back into the lifestyle of impossibilities. Back into the risk taking. Back into the takeover mode. Back into uh, destroying the things of the kingdom of darkness and building the kingdom of God everywhere they go. Not just in the church, at their jobs, in their neighborhoods, at their schools, in their campuses. May they be a walking nightmare for the kingdom of darkness and may they be a champion in heaven. I thank you for every man and every woman in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. 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 I want to talk to you around the, the text and the title of Born for the Storm. Born for the Storm. You know, we host a conference every year on our campus at CFNI. 
And uh, it's a healing conference, and we normally live stream this on a, on a Christian channel. And this particular channel we were live streaming on, uh, um, I, I, I talked with the founder before then. I said, well, what's the potential? Like, when we, when we live stream, when we broadcast this on your network, what's the reach? And he said to me, he said, this has over 700 million homes. You will be able to reach almost a billion people. I, I'm thinking, well, that's no big deal, right? So... I, I remember we were in the middle. It was a strong move. I mean, it was, this is in 2015. And uh, I remember we were two days into this conference and my daughter walked into my room uh, as I was preparing for that night. And she said, Dad, I miss you. I said, baby, I miss you too. And I said, you know what? Why don't you come with me tonight? You're going to be on TV with me. You're going to pray for 700 million homes. That's over a billion people, Jasmine. One billion. Billion with a B. Billion people. I said, well, I want you to pray for them. She said, really? I said, yes. So I remember she gets all excited. Now, Jasmine's our fashionista. She's going to tell you what goes good and what does not go good. And I told you I brought in the big gun. She's right over there. And so, I, 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 so we're driving, and I, told, I looked at Jasmine. I said, now, Jasmine, this is over 700 million homes. This is over a billion people. All right, so we're going to pray. We're going to pray strong. She said, Dad, I'm ready. I got this. We get into the green room backstage, and I look at Jasmine. I said, Jazz, start to string your thoughts together. Start to ask God for a language so that you can pray over people. This is 700 million homes. This is one billion people up in here. And she said, I got this, Dad. I'm, I got this. I got this. We get into the studio. And I, she's already standing on her box so she can be shoulder height with me. She's on her ex. She's mic'd up. Now, anybody does live TV, you know that you cannot move from this to that all over the place like I'm doing as I'm preaching because it'll cast a shadow on your face and people won't know what they're looking at on TV. It won't look right. So Jasmine is mic'd up. I get in there. I'm mic'd up. I look at Jasmine. Two minutes, the director says. I said, Jazz, you ready to go? I said, this is 700 million homes. This over a billion people we're going to be praying for tonight. Are you ready to go? She says, Dad, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I got this. I'm ready. I said, good 90 seconds i said jazz now listen we're stratas all right and we pray with some power all right we're not passive but we're powerful and i need you to declare something in power oh i got this dad don't worry i got the power, power power i got this i got this right what 60 seconds one minute i said okay jazz now listen i need you to focus girl you need to reset right now lock it in 700 million homes a billion people she said daddy i'm ready i'm ready daddy i got this i got 30 seconds i said jasmine you don't pray no pansy prayers open here this 700 million home there's a billion people she, she's like, Dad, I got it. 20 seconds. Jazz, are you ready? Dad, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Can I just, I don't want to do this. Dad, but 10 seconds. Daddy, please don't make me do it. I don't want to do this. Five, four. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. You joined at the right time. I'll tell you that, man. I got somebody special with me, my daughter, Jasmine. It's been powerful. We've had a great move of God at this conference, haven't we, Jazz? Oh, my gosh, Dad. It's been so phenomenal. I just love it. <laughs> Jasmine, I think that you have something you need to pray over somebody. Daddy, I do. So she gets in her little stance, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I command the peace of heaven to come on people's lives now. She stands back up just like this. And I said, wow, Jazz, that was powerful. She said, I really felt a release on that one. There was something, <laughs> something there. I said, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Cameras go off. Jasmine, I can't believe you made me do that. Why would you make me do that? How can you make, what kind of dad are you? When she asked that, I, just, I didn't know how to answer because I'm like, am I a good dad? Am I a bad dad? Because like, again, as a parent, you don't know if you're helping them out or messing them up half the time. You're going to find out on Oprah. This is the only way. I'm like thinking, how do I explain this to her mother? 
Like, you did our, you, you embarrassed our daughter? It's 700 million homes, a billion, well, we don't know the numbers, really. I mean, you know what I had to learn in my life, what Jasmine was reteaching me, was I, I, I have learned that God will never put us in something to sabotage us or to embarrass us, but he will put us in things that will stretch us, that will grow us, and will build a greater capacity for us to receive what he has for us. What happens is many times, have you ever said, man, this would only happen to me? Why does this only happen to me, right? As if the impossible world is only happening for you. The truth is, you were born for the storm. You were born for the impossible. When you live by faith, when you claim Jesus as your Savior, when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, it should be completely normal to face the impossible. Let me put it to you like this. The impossible should be logical to any believer. It's just the absolute way we are called to do. We are risk takers. We are dangerous for good. We're mighty in God. And God himself backs up the lifestyle of someone who's willing to risk it all. This is what it takes to be born for the storm. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born for the storm. You were born for the storm. I want to give you three things today to help you walk this out. The first one is walk where he tells you to walk. If it's on water, walk on water. If it's on jello, go ahead and bust out some jello. But walk where he tells you to walk. You know, to Peter, this is pretty interesting. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. But remember, Jesus or Peter was a fisherman. And to a fisherman, he did not look at the sea like you and I looked at the sea. He looked at the sea, watch this, as an enemy. Because he was a fisherman and the sea determined whether he would catch a big catch, which then he could go sell fish in the market and make enough money to feed his family, to clothe his family and to grow his business. So he was constantly at battle with the sea. So he was constantly at war with his enemy. But then he sees Jesus walking on the water. When Peter sees this, he does not see Jesus defying science. What he sees is Jesus is walking all over my enemy. Now, I'm excited about this, but here's what I'm more excited about. Peter got out of the boat too. See, it wasn't just Jesus walking on the enemy. Peter got out of the water, and Peter had the opportunity to walk all over his enemy. Friend, I'm here to tell you today to get out of your boat and start walking all over your enemies. The storm would like to keep you safe. The storm would like to lie to you. The storm would like to tell you that God has changed his priorities, but his priority is very clear. For you to have freedom and for you to destroy all of your enemies, your family enemies, your community's enemies. I'm telling you, all of the enemies that have come against you in your thought life, in your prayer rooms, in your marriage, on your children. You can walk all over those too. Walk where he tells you to walk. Now, when you start living this big lifestyle of faith, what I have noticed is that when you start taking these kind of risks, there's always these haters that seem to come out. It's like the Christian TMZ. They are just there and everywhere. They have an opinion about everything. And they would say this. I've heard people say this about Peter in this, in, in this passage. They would say, well, Peter walked on the water, but he drowned too. That's not what it says. It says Peter began to walk and he began to sink. He didn't drown. He's a fisherman. What kind of fisherman doesn't know how to swim? Are, are you following me? This is why we have to, hear me, this is why we have to understand Peter is walking. He's walking water, but then he begins to sink. And people will say, well, you tripped up there. 
Well, you had a setback there. You might have failed right there. Well, let me just tell you what to tell your haters. You just go ahead and tell them, well, at least I was close enough to Jesus that he just needed to reach down and pick me up out of that water. At least I wasn't following at a distance. At least I wasn't making up excuses. At least I was close enough that all he had to do was bend down. He didn't even have to walk to me because I stayed that close. Friend, stay close to where he tells you to stay close to and walk where he tells you to walk. Come on, are you with me this morning? If you want to be born for the storm, number one, walk where he tells you to walk. Number two, you've got to learn to live in the middle. This is, this is where we get tripped up. This is, this is almost where we start the excuse making starts coming because we, we don't like the middle. We like, we like starting. We're full of high passion, high faith, high excitement. And we like finishing because thank God it's finally over. But in between that, there is an in the meantime, it's called the middle. And we don't like the middle. The reason why we don't like the middle is because it's full of things that are unpredictable. It's full of things that, don't, that we did not plan on. It's full of the lessons. It's, it's, it's full of things that the things you thought were going to happen never happened. And the things you thought would never happen start happening right here in the middle. I mean, whenever I counsel someone, they come into my office and they start off with, Pastor, I'm in the middle of this problem. I'm in the middle of this argument. I'm in the middle of this storm. Friend, the middle is what grows you the most. Every mature believer knows it's not necessarily the starting and not the finishing, but it's all the lessons. It's all the blood. It's all the sweat. It's all the tears. It's all the nights praying. It's all the early mornings worshiping. It's all the word confessed. It's all the prayer. It's all the fasting that happened in the middle that made the finishing great and the starting sweet. Are you with me? It's all about that middle. You know, I remember I was in Guatemala and I, uh, I, I was preaching at a conference and I was having breakfast with the host at his home. And I remember all of a sudden the table started to shake at breakfast like this. It starts to shake like this. Now I'm sitting there and things are moving. I don't know what they do in San Antonio, but in Dallas, things don't move without any help. <laughs> so things are shaking like this. And then it gets real violent. I start to hear the cabinets start clapping shut, but, 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 like this. So I didn't know what to do. And so I, I just, the first thing in my mind was, I'm going to eat a banana. And I grabbed a banana. I don't know why I grabbed a banana, but I grabbed a banana. Because at least, at least, and then when it was in my hand, it wasn't moving. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You know what I mean? Like, I had a banana. And I tried, I'm trying to peel this banana, and I'm kind of shaking too like this. And, I put it, and I'm trying to eat this banana. It starts shaking a little bit more, and I can't even get this banana in my mouth. I got banana all over my face. Till finally I had to say, hey, does anyone else know the stuff is moving? And people are like, it's not even a big earthquake. Earthquake? There were three fault lines that ran under the city that they neglected to tell me. I'm like, like that's something, don't make me Google that, all right? Let me, send me an email. Now, why was their response? They didn't even worry, no problem, didn't bother them. Why was their response different from mine? Because they had been through the middle before. Here's what God is trying to get us ready to do. God is not trying to trouble-proof your life. Can I be honest with you? God is not bubble-wrapping you so that you can live somehow trouble-free. What God is trying to do is teach you it rains on the just and the unjust. But it says the just have a weapon. It's called faith. And if I'm in the middle of the storm, I won't lose it because he told me to get in this storm. Now... What I have noticed about this generation is that we have taught you how to pray and we have taught you how to serve and we have taught you how to give. But what I have not what I've seen very little of is we have not taught you how to fight. You know, fight, let me let me put it like this. Not everything in the kingdom is automatic. It, great, salvation, that's free. 
uh, Holy Spirit, he's free. Grace, that's free. But obedience, that will cost you. And I think we have, we have forgotten to teach people how to fight. We, so we preach him as the lamb. He, he's the lamb. This is the gentleness, the good shepherd, the, the goodness of God. And, and it's absolutely true. But there is another side to him. If you remember, he's not just the lamb. He is also the lion as well. And if you wake him up on that side, I'm telling you, every demon is scared. Even Satan himself don't want to put up with Jesus on that day. Friend, he is not just a lamb. He is also a lion. If you teach it as a lamb, let me tell you, it's not incorrect, but it is incomplete. God, listen, and a lot of us, when we're going through the middle, what happens is, is we, we start complaining about what's going on in our life. That's what got through. How many of you know there is a protection hedge around you? You, you don't even know what didn't get through. All right, let me help you out. Do you remember in Job? Job is standing there. I'm sorry, God is talking with Satan. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says back to God, well, does Job serve God for nothing? You have put a hedge of protection around him that I can't touch him. Now watch this. God hears this. We read this as if God's bringing this hedge up. It's not him that brings the hedge up. It's Satan that brings it up. How would Satan know there was a hedge of protection around Job unless he had tried to attack Job before? See, we aren't you, come on, we ought to be grateful for what doesn't get through, what didn't happen, what we don't know about, what didn't ever manifest, what didn't ever materialize, because God is still on the throne. He hasn't lost his power, and all I have to do is live in the middle. We have the best deal, the absolute best deal. He gets rid of all of my enemies. He heals all of my diseases. He removes all of my infirmities, and then he calls me Mighty Warrior. I'll take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. That's what the middle will teach you. We've got to learn to fight again. Let me, let me, give, you, uh, let me give you some boat talk this morning. Uh, uh, not boat talks for all the plastic people, okay? I'm talking about boat talk, all right? Because uh, I've heard this message preached from just about every angle, the storm, Jesus' disciples, the water. But if the boat could talk, what would the boat say? Well, I think the boat would remind us of verse 24. It says, now the boat was in the middle of the sea. Notice where it's at. It is located in the middle. It's not just starting. It's not near the finish line. It is in the middle. Scripture goes through a great detail to tell us where the location of this boat is. It's in the middle. What the boat would say is, you need to keep going because you're in the middle. The sea they're on is the Sea of Galilee. It is 13 miles long. It is 8 miles wide. And they are in the middle of the width of this sea. If they were, there are people probably in this boat. Maybe there are people in your life, don't give in too much to that faith. Don't trust in that Jesus a little too much. You, know, you pray too much. You can't put your faith in that much. You can't, th- listen, those people are all telling you, go back. Go back to, the, go, go back to where, you, where you set sail. Because you're in the middle. And there's people who, in this boat, in this context, there are probably people saying, let's go back. At least we know that part's safe. But friend, let me tell you something. You're in the middle. And it would take you the same amount of distance, the same amount of time, the same amount of effort, the same amount of energy, the same amount of strength, to get you to the, to the finish line that it is to the starting line, why would you want to trade the future for familiar? Friend, you're in the middle. Can I help you out? You're in the middle. This is the most crucial time that you could be in. If you're fighting storms right now, if you're fighting lies right now, if you're praying through things, friend, you're just in the middle. Stay the course. Keep pushing. Don't quit. You didn't come this far to quit. You didn't put in all the blood, sweat, and tears so that you could just have half of what God gave you. He wants you to have full harvest. Learn to live in the middle. And it says, verse 24, the boat could talk. I don't know what its voice would sound like, but it'd be a pretty awesome voice. 
It says, now the boat, the boat, the boat, the boat is in the middle of the sea. Notice what it does not say. It never says the disciples were in the middle of the storm and sea. Here's my question. Who put them in this boat? We'll look at verse 22. It says, Jesus makes them get in this boat. Jesus handpicks this vessel to carry them through. And listen, when he handpicks it and he says, you're going to the other side, friend, you're going to the other side. I've got news for somebody. The boat would tell you, you need to trust what he puts you in. He puts you in that marriage. He puts you in that job. He puts you in that family. And it may not be the nicest boat. It may not be polished. It may need a paint job. It may need some things remodeled. But friend, stay where he puts you. Because when you stay there, you will make it to your other side. Don't settle for second best. Don't be coming in love with other things that don't matter. Because when it counts is when it counts. It's when you finish exactly where he told you to finish. Learn to live in the middle. You know, it says, and Jesus would have passed them by. You would feel like Jesus is ignoring them, but I got news for you. Jesus is not ignoring them. Jesus is waiting on them. Friend, today, let me lovingly say to you, Jesus is not ignoring you. He hasn't changed his mind about you, but he is waiting on you says that he starts walking, and it wasn't until they cried out for fear. He said, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. He waited for a cry. It's the same thing when you get intentional back with God. It's just like Moses. Moses is in the desert watching a herd of sheep. Do you remember this? And all of a sudden, he sees a bush on fire yet not consumed. And he says, when I'm going to now turn aside and see this great sight. It wasn't until he turned aside, then God spoke. God wasn't in the bush going, Moses, Mo." Mo, M, hey, we here, we here, hey. That's not what he was doing. He waited until Moses made an intentional cry or intentional focus on putting his, uh, on putting his marker. I'm going to go see what's going on over here. Friend, until he hears your cry, he can't do nothing. If you want to activate God in your life, put an honest cry in your mouth and start to say, God, save me. God, help me. Help my husband. Help my wife. Help the people in my life. Help my coworker. Help my boss. Help my children. Come on. Help my country. Help my city. But put a cry in your life and you watch how God will start getting actively involved on your behalf. This is what the middle will teach you. Let me give you this last thing. Number one, remember, if you want to be born for the storm, walk where he tells you to walk. Number two, learn to live in the middle. And number three, answer the invitation. You know, I, uh, I truly believe that uh, in the literal translation of the Bible, if it says God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh, I believe that. If it says David killed a giant, I believe David killed a giant. If it says Daniel went into a lion's den and was never eaten, I believe that. If it says the three Hebrew children were thrown uh, into the fire and four people came out, one being the Son of God, I believe that. If it says that Lazarus' grave and tomb was sealed and then Jesus spoke one word and the grave door opened and Lazarus came back to life, I believe that. So I have to believe that Peter and Jesus are defying science, physics, and the laws of gravity and they are walking on water. But I believe that Peter had a little extra under his feet. Peter had an invitation. It was one word. Come. Friend, that is an open invitation to you this morning. He has one word for you. Come. Notice, he doesn't say, Peter, pray first, then step out. No, go to small group first, then step out. (laughs) Peter, you got to go through 
through the Saturday night service, Sunday mornings, and then come in and do prayer fasting the rest of Sunday. And then that's not what he says. Come. It's a solid invitation. And Peter found out what his word really does. It provides strength. It provides stability. It provides proving ground. It provides faith. And you just keep walking in one step after the other. Man, you don't eat an elephant in one bite, right? You eat it one bite at a time. And he just kept walking and walking. It wasn't until he started noticing everything that was going around him and the fear started to pollute his heart that he started to sink. And even Jesus said, you took enough. I'll pick you back up. I'm here to tell you, answer the invitation this morning. Could I have the band join me back on the stage? Would you stand up with me this morning? I really sense the presence of God in this place. There's a uniqueness that's here this morning. I I really feel like there's some people who need to understand the nature of what Jesus does. Notice what Jesus does and does not do. In Mark chapter 4, it says that Jesus is is in another storm. This ain't the same storm. In Mark chapter 4, it says Jesus is asleep in the bottom of a boat while his disciples are freaking out at the top. And 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 they have to go and wake him up, which tells me you only have authority through the storms you sleep through. He sits there, he's asleep. They wake him up and say, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus says, why do you have no faith? He speaks one word. The Bible says he rebukes the storm. That word rebuke, he rebukes the storm. It ceases right then. That word rebuke that it says in Mark chapter 4 is a Greek word that that the translators would only use when you're dealing with the demonic. Jesus recognized that this was an unfamiliar weather pattern going on and he was going to deal with it. But notice what Jesus does not do in the text that we're reading. He doesn't rebuke the storm. Which tells me that there are people, and you and I, we have to know what storms we're supposed to walk on and what storms we're supposed to rebuke. You know, this was an un, the one he rebukes, it's pretty interesting because it was an unfamiliar weather pattern. Let me just tell you, let me put this in your world for just a second. When you have one thing that happens, and then another thing, and then another thing, and then it's another thing, and oh, here comes some more, and another thing, friend, and it's an unusual pattern, that's an attack of the enemy. Can I, can I, let me, let me be transparent with you. At the beginning of this year, I was here preaching on a Sunday. It was January 29th. On January 30th, I was playing ball. I was on a fast break. I did a jump stop, and my knee went like this. Bah! I completely tore my ACL. Now, this is a pretty common injury nowadays, but it wasn't common to me, okay? So it hurt. And I remember um, this happens on this Monday. The following Wednesday, my mother-in-love goes into the hospital and has a severe reaction to bacteria that got in her lungs and ended up, could not breathe on her own. They had to put her in a coma and she had to be on a breathing machine for several weeks. So I don't want to go and have surgery and not be able to move. On, on, if my mother-in-law goes to be with Jesus or if, I, or if she comes out of the hospital and needs some help. So I am limping around like this. I'm like, another one. Here's my mother-in-law. Then my daughter, my youngest daughter, Carissa, if you've ever seen a picture of her, she has a, a, a red bump on her face right here. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of busted blood vessels that uh, uh, came here and created this tumor. It's not a cancerous tumor. 
but it is a tumor that pushes up on her eye. And so if she's not careful, uh, if we're not careful and reduce the swelling and all of that, it could cause problems with her vision. And it's not life or death, but it's quality of life situation. And she's going to have her third surgery. I was in a hotel room in California in, the, in May of this year. I remember just thinking, and I'm not even telling you about the personal stuff. Come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the behind the scenes, the internal stuff. I'm not even telling you about the family drama that we've had. I'm not telling you anything else. It's just seeing one thing after another, after another, after another. It's almost where you don't expect anything good. You expect something bad. That's, what, that's how the devil disciples you, disciples you. Just expect bad. You can be in church and still do that. It wasn't until I was in this hotel room and I started reading this passage and started studying it. And I thought, you know what? That is it. And all of a sudden, this backbone, I didn't have a wishbone, a backbone came back into my prayer life. And I started pointing at the things. You will not come near my family anymore. You will not touch my family. You will not touch my finances. I break this pattern. I destroy this strategy. You will not conquer me. I speak to this storm and I rebuke you. I serve notice to you. You cannot have my family. You can't have future you can't have this and i went crazy i'm sure i woke up the whole hotel i know the guy traveling with me was like oh okay (laughs) and it broke right there Let, let me tell you something some of you you're walking through storms you should be rebuking and there are storms that you're trying to rebuke that you should be walking through I want to ask the prayer team, would you join me? We've got some wonderful men and women full of faith, ready to pray for people this morning. But I know this message has touched people. There's prayer team uh, in, the, in the balcony, so you don't have to rush down here. God's going to touch you in this, uh, in this moment, no matter where you're at in this room. But if you're walking through storms, I'm talking about with your children. Come on, some of the greatest challenges for parents come through our babies. Because we just want the best for them, to love God. But let me tell you something, the devil has a plan for him too. But when you start to speak up with a cry in your mouth, let me tell you, you become this roaring lion and you will not come near my family. You will not touch my son or daughter. You will not speak those lies. You will not put that in their path. I break it right. And even if you do try to tempt them and I'm not around, I sabotage it now that you will never have them. I'm telling you. It's time to understand I'm born for the storm. I'm not running from storms. I'm not avoiding my storms. I don't mind a risky season. I don't mind stormy weather because either I'm going to speak to it or I'm going to walk on top of it. One way or another, I'm going to my other side because I'm going to get what God promised me. And I'm going to make sure that my entire city, region, and nation is blessed because of it. If you're in this place and you have never given your life to Jesus... Friend, I'm telling you, you can't walk on storms, you can't rebuke storms unless you start right there. The good thing is, Jesus doesn't need you to be pretty and perfect. God's not looking at your resume. He's looking at your honesty this morning. He's not looking for your performance. He's not looking for that. He's looking for your honesty. If you say, God, I'm tired of doing this by myself. I want to give my life to you. Friend, when I count to three, I want you to come down here and pray with us and let us pray with you so we can encourage you and champion you on this decision. But there might be some of you in this room. You are dealing with some storms. I feel it in this room. I feel the presence of God in this room. You are dealing with some junk. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I had a bad day. Oh, my boss is crazy. My children, I understand why the lions eat their young. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's been one thing after another after another, 
after another, after another, and you are fed up with it, and you're drawing a line in the sand. That's what I'm talking about. I believe there's, there's a lot of people in this room, you need this this morning. God knew what you needed. Come on, isn't he good? Isn't he faithful? He knew. This is a message for me. He's speaking. I'm preaching. Listen, you may be listening. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. On the count of three, either one of these groups of people, if you need help rebuking a storm or you need the strength to walk through a storm or you need to give your life to Jesus, if you're in any of these categories, on the count of three, I want you to maybe even bring someone with you. Grab a hand of the person next to you and say, man, I want to come down here and do this. On the count of three, I want you to come down. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. You don't need that junk and that garbage going on in your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit consuming who you are, destroying every life, breaking every stronghold, sabotaging the plans of the enemy. I declare over you and your family that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus. Come on, we're going to pray. We still got aisles full of people. Come on, I promise you it's worth the wait to know that you're not alone. I love all the songs this morning that were chosen. You're not alone through a hurricane, through a storm. I mean, there's just detail after detail of what God is ministering this morning. I want to pray over you. If you say, Pastor Chris, pray for me. I'm going through a storm. I, I got stuff I need to pray over. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Take that hand. I want you to put it on your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will not fear. I declare a fearlessness to come on your life, to fill your prayer language, to fill your thoughts, to fill your faith, that I will not put up with wind and waves, even if I have to get a little wet, even if I still have to put up with some storms, I'm going to walk through them or I'm going to speak to them. But I will not put up with the trash and the lies of the enemy anymore. I declare true freedom now in Jesus' name. And I rebuke every lie, every sabotaging thought that is come. I break every demonic harassment off of you right now. Lord, I call kids that are away from Jesus. I call them back into the kingdom. Lord, I call families that are divided. I call them into unity. I call healing on body. If you need a miracle in your body, receive this right now. Father, I declare healing on your body right now in Jesus' name. That you will be completely, totally healed now in Jesus' name. Father, I declare for favor to come on you at your job. I declare that you would have promotions, that you would have skill sets that would be offered to you or would be heightened. I declare that the blessing of God would make you rich and add of no sorrow, that you would not just have enough in your bank account, but that your family would be strong, that your children would be blessed, that you would have extreme health. That's what wealth really is, that you would have the right people around you. I declare those of you that have felt confused about your season. I feel this right now. If you felt confused about your season, I call you into your season right now. I call you into your rhythm. I call you into your destiny. I call you into your mode now in Jesus' name. I break off the tendencies of the old man or the old woman. You are not the same. You are different. I don't care what patterns are going on, what storms are trying to attack you. Be free in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the church shouted, Amen.